0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Hi everyone, it's Adam here from DNF1. Just before we begin the podcast, I wanted to quickly share with you some exciting news. For this month, the DNF1 podcast is proudly sponsored by... (laughs) Manscaped. For the entire month of March... You can get hold of some great Manscaped products like their best selling razor, the brand new lawnmower 3.0, which is now waterproof, and plenty more other great products on their website for 20% off and free shipping.
0: Oh my god! Wow!
1: All you have to do is head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code DNF1 to receive 20% off your order and also free shipping too. We loved using Manscaped products and we know that you will too, so make sure to get yours now. Trust us, your balls will thank you. so hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast the show where we take all of the latest news gossip and events going on in the formula one world and we relay that back to you for a bit of healthy debate and discussion for your listening and viewing pleasure depending on what platform you choose to follow us on and of course this episode is the final episode of all of the episodes that we have done this week so it's gonna be a nice little break to look forward to it's also the penultimate car launch of all of the teams only one more to go after this one at ferrari which of course we will not see until next wednesday the 10th of march but today it is all about the williams and specifically the williams fw 43b and for those of you already wondering if you do hear some background noise of screaming children that's my neighbor's kids there's nothing i can do about that unfortunately um Children are children, you know, they can be loud, they can be quiet, but these ones are loud in particular, and obviously they're having a good time outside playing in the garden. Um, Anyway, that aside, um, of course, Courtney joining me once again. Courtney, Hello. how how is your day been? Are you okay?
0: Oh, good. Another busy day um, at work, but uh, you guys are not here to know about my work life. Um, I'd just like to um second what Adam just said about the uh, episodes, it's obvious we've been very busy, and I'm sure some of you have really struggled to keep up with the, with the amount of uploads we've um, put out. But Adam has kindly put together a playlist, so in a build-up to the new season, if you have a couple of hours to spare, just feel free to look back at what we've done, because you know we have put a lot of work into this, and we hope we've given you a good indication of who we reckon to start off where, even before testing, and you know, I think we've given some good uh, reactions to the liveries as well. So, yeah, please check it out. Sorry, I'll back
1: to you, mate. Yeah, and of course, you've got some of the uh, more likable teams, more popular teams, and some of your favourite teams as well. It's all there in the playlist, so definitely check that out if you've missed any of the episodes over the last two weeks or so. But of course, let's talk about the Williams, Courtney. The Williams FW43B broke cover today, uh, or Friday at least, at the time we're recording this. And interestingly enough, they were going to go for a very unique method of launching the car. Um, Williams himself had created an app which I downloaded from the iOS app store and basically what this is going to do this going to be like augmented reality so if anyone's ever played uh Pokemon Go I think there's the best comparison that I can remember um it, it accesses your camera and it allows to put a still image or 360 image of the car and basically uh, you can look through your camera as it would do and it's almost as if the car is in your house in your garden what I was going to do I was going to Uh, obviously use the app and then go into my garden or my living room and take a picture in there and say something clever like, I don't know, a Wild Williams FW43B like homage to Pokemon Go uh, has appeared. Unfortunately, um, last night, apparently the app itself was hacked and uh, there were some images that were being leaked online that I had seen, of course, that were very similar to what we saw today. And as a result, the app got taken down and we weren't able to use it. So whoever it was that decided to do that, like you suck like honestly I honestly do not know why there's an incentive for someone to do that I mean this is why we can't have nice things so you know not cool whoever it was that decided to do that I'm you just know. don't
0: understand you'd go you go oh do you know what up to anything nice later Adam oh yeah I'm just thinking of hacking the um the, the Williams app and ruin the fun for everyone else it's weird strange mentality but hey I'm not into that sort of stuff so i never no. get it
1: Uh, I mean the only rationale I could think for it is basically just to see uh, early images of the car the same thing happened with Aston Martin of course people that tried to um, go on the Aston Martin website that had signed up for the launch virtual event and they could access images of the car just before the launch to get it there people would hacked into that as well so they had to disable that feature and you just had to watch the launch live as it was which I don't know why people do it. I honestly do not get the rationale for it. They're just really sad, boring people, obviously very good at hacking. But um, yeah, other than that, you know, what What can you do? So that that's life. Unfortunately, there's always someone that ruins it for everybody. But uh, nonetheless, um, that aside, looking at the car itself, I've got to say, Courtney, I mean, I... I saw a lot of mixed reviews about this new livery. I actually love it. I think it looks fantastic. Um, One of my favourite ones so far. What do you make of the new livery on the Williams uh, FW 43B? I'm not sure, you know, mate.
0: I'm not sure. I mean, the first indication said it might warm to me with time. You know, when we physically see the car in testing and, you know, the first couple of races, it might warm to me with time. Um. I'm happy that they have freshened it up because my complaints with some of the uh, couple of the old cars, <clears throat> Red Bull. I'm not happy that some of the teams haven't refreshed delivery given that the cards have barely changed. You know, you want to have a fresh feeling to the season. And Williams has certainly done that. The car was quite bland last season, so I'm pleased it does take a little bit more noticeable. Um, and I'm also happy that they've sort of, sort of given a tribute to some of the classic Williams liveries that a lot of us sort of know and love from the past. I like that feature. I don't know. It's it's kind of towards a rear that I'm not too happy about. But look, overall, it's a good move. But yeah, it might give me a little bit of time to warm to it. That's Yeah, as you said, I think there's mixed feelings. But I've noticed the majority of people do like it, though.
1: Mm. It does seem to be the rear of the car that people are unsure of. And I think that was more of a, as I said, an homage to the actual Williams family rather than just the Williams team, you know, not ignoring the heritage with the Williams team, especially under new management like Doralton capital, which is always a nice touch, uh, especially with the yellow tint as well, playing tribute to that, which is great. They mentioned the main inspiration for the livery was, um, to include features of the very legendary FW 14B, the 1992 Williams that uh, guided Nigel Mansell to his world championship back then. And, you know, that was one of my favorite ever looking cars of all time. Absolute beautiful piece of machinery, very fast as well. A one nine Grand Prix in that machine absolutely dominated the 92 world championship. And of course, went on to do the same in 1993, back when Williams were the big top team at Formula One, pretty sure that's where they aim to be in the future. But, that aside, I, I, as I said, I was a big fan of the livery. I wasn't really sure what direction they were going to go down, especially when they did the shakedown run last week and the car was completely dark blue. So I was kind of hoping that they'd go with something like that. And I expected it to look a little bit like the Williams of the 2010s with the blue and the yeah. white, a combination of the two.
0: The Maldonado era.
1: Yeah, the golden era of Williams, uh, their last race winner, Pastor Maldonado. Let the, let the goat live on in motorsport, whatever it is he's doing right now. Um, I'd love to see him back in Formula 1, but it mostly just be meme-worthy more than anything else. Um, that aside, I, I'm a fan of the car. I like the look of the livery. Um, I know people give giving mixed reviews, and perhaps it's one of those that might warm to some people. It, it, I suppose with a render, uh, or a virtual reality render, whichever one you want to call it, um it's harder to sort of appreciate it on a piece of paper or on a computer screen until you actually see it on track it's probably one of those that will probably grow on people as it looks on track but i think it looks great already and i hope it looks good on the track as well i hope it's fast that is one thing i do hope it is more than anything else um in terms of the car itself uh george russell um did an interview with Sky Sports F1 uh, today. He was talking about what it was like to drive the car in the first shakedown last week at Silverstone. He said it's a significant step forward, which is great. Um, You know, it's great to hear from George, and I know George wouldn't oversell this if he didn't believe the car was that much better. They still seem to feel that their targets this season are beating Haas and Alf Romeo and maybe trying to get to the back end of the midfield. Personally, I think that's very, very realistic. I, I don't know about you, Courtney, where you feel um, their expectations are for this season.
0: I think that, to be positive, and if Mercedes are taking a step forward with the engine, you know if they've got this new investment, I mean, why can't they look to be challenging the likes of Alpha Tower or particularly Alpine? If Alpine aren't really putting too much emphasis on this year's car, why can't Williams have a go at challenging them?
1: Well, it's certainly not out of the question. I think with 2021 and i think this is kind of why i'm gonna we'll talk about this next week when ferrari unveils their new car why the expectation is that ferrari in particular for example aren't going to be challenging mercedes like they have been Mm -hmm. doing except for last year for the last uh six or seven years uh it's because you can only improve so much on the car that it would take the top team to drop down by so much and the team below them to really improve that much to kind of level out the playing field to sort of mitigate that golf in Williams's case I think it's realistic that they can try and challenge a team like AlphaTauri but a lot would have to happen on both sides given the base that's and the homologation of the rules from last season that we're going to see um just you know 2022 is a better objective for everybody to to move forward you know even Mercedes in that regard but it's going to be a hard ask in 2021 it's possible but I think for them being better than Haas and Alfa Mayo absolutely has to be the minimum. You know, the aim for them. I think you know by minimum they're going to be better than Huss. I don't. You know, based on what we talked about in that episode yesterday, um, there's nothing to me that suggests that Williams aren't going to be better than Haas, unless the Williams makes a significant step backwards, which I can't see happening. Um, so, you know, so, I've got a important question
0: yeah. to ask though, Adam important question to ask go on then will George Russell get his first points for Williams because Mercedes is an interesting one because Mercedes it was so gutted from missing out on the win when he actually scored his first points in Formula 1 so I think it would be a great achievement or on a personal level for George, for him to get his first points—is that possible? Because I think it is.
1: Well, you're right. He no longer has to worry about having the unwanted record of having the most races without scoring a point. Uh, I believe Max Chilson—I might be wrong in that—might have that, or Luca, Badoa, someone like that. Luca might be Luca Badoa, actually. I think the closest he got was almost finishing fourth in the 1999 European Grand Prix in the Minardi, and then it broke down about four laps from the end. Um, anyone, you yeah, know, the that, old F1. That, 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 that,
0: that's an impressive stat, I
1: must say. It's not one that you'd want to hold on to. But George, I think, was like almost tied fourth, I think, with Max Chilton, I think, on the all-time list. Um, And that certainly was a record that he was on course to actually surpass everybody this season. Thankfully, we're not going to have to worry about that because George is way too good to have not scored a point in Formula 1. In this, Williams... I think it's absolutely possible. I think he was extremely close. And we, of course, Immler aside, um, you know, because he, perhaps he should have converted there if were went for his mistake. In Magello in particular, he was so, so close, literally seconds from, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel struggling in the Ferraris um, from getting that and the Alfa Romeo's as well. It's about taking the opportunities. He will get more opportunities this season the Williams. It's a lot more competitive car. As I said, the pecking order is going to be uh, condensed a little bit in terms of the gulf between the top team and the bottom one well, might be might be more between Mercedes, for example, and Huss for obvious reasons. But um, in Williams case, they're going to be a lot closer to the points this season than they were last year. Um, and, you know, considering how sporadic some of the races were last season, you may end up with a scenario where George Russell may find himself in the points. I mean, look at Grosjean last year at the Nürburgring, at the Eiffel Grand Prix, completely nowhere for most of the race. And the safety car comes out of nowhere, right place, right time, and he holds on to the points. So it's definitely doable. And a driver of George's calibre, now that he's got those points, in even though it was in the Mercedes and he would have much rather have got the win or a podium, having that experience will serve him very, very well. And obviously another year in the sport, I think if George continues to drive the way that he did in the second half of last season and probably improve on that as we expect him to do so there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he in particular can get a point for Williams and maybe Nicholas Latifi too let's not undersell him you know his second season he'll be much better driver for it he's a very good driver you know he was by no means completely outclassed by George perhaps on Saturdays he was but on Sundays he was you know he was good Nicholas Latifi I can't fault him on his performances so I'm I'm confident Williams will do well Uh, how do you feel on this one Courtney I know you said that you expect George perhaps to get a point this season in this car do you feel Nicholas Latifi perhaps might be able to do the same
0: I feel that this season is very important for both of these drivers I think it's pretty obvious that George Russell is the next man in line to drive the Mercedes. So I think George will need to be putting in some performances to keep himself sort of there or thereabouts to keep himself in mind for Mercedes. I think for Nicholas Latifi, I think he could possibly be in that danger list. You know, some of the drivers we mentioned before, like Diovinazzi, Mazapin, you know, one or two more as well on the grid that they don't perform well enough Formula ones a brutal sport, and if Latifi doesn't put in some noticeable performances, and of course part of it comes down to the car, I think he's going to be one of those drivers that could be in danger of losing the seat. Let's think hypothetically: if Bottas was to leave Mercedes, I can imagine him going back to Williams, for example, and I just think that would put that would put Latifi at risk. I don't know, but I, 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 that's obviously just an hypothetical situation. But I just look through that drivers and I always think, which one of you are going to struggle if you don't do well? And I think I, he seems like a nice enough guy. He seems like competent enough overall. But all it takes is a couple of mistakes to sort of drain the confidence and before you know it, you're out the back door. It's brutal, but it is a possibility if he doesn't do well this season.
1: Well, maybe... Um... I totally understand that. I mean, in the Bottas scenario, the assumption would be that George Russell would be the one replacing him. So there would be still a seat available for Latifi to take. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for the Williams project, yes, George Russell's in it for this season, but it only seems a matter of time before he ends up in the Mercedes. So Latifi does seem to be the driver that I think Williams will be more invested in, in terms of bringing this long-term project. And I feel that they have enough confidence in Latifi from what they've seen of him to be able to do that with him over time yes you're right of course there will be an expectation for results to come more often than they have done given that williams now have this opportunity like everybody else to really establish himself at the front of the field once again once the 2022 rules kick in again it depends on what they do and if they strike gold on this canoe car then that's going to be a great platform for them to go on 2022 beyond um speaking of the 2021 car though let's not forget. Unlike Haas, Williams are very much interested in this season, and they've not completely abandoned this car. um, In you know, in favor of the twenty twenty two car. Talking about the car itself, a few technical elements that we did spot on this car in particular. Now, with the uh, digital element of these renders, teams notoriously tend to leave out a lot of details. Haas released the twenty twenty one car or twenty twenty car, I should say. Williams, there were a few details on this car to just quickly go over it seems that a lot of their development has gone around the uh, side pod veins so on the sides of the side pods you've got the veins that sort of wrap around it um the front or the main side pod vein wraps uh, at the front they've sort of been um instead of being split at the top corner they now sort of wrap around so um, you'll see this in the pictures of the car obviously uh, that you can see at the top if you're watching this on video but they used to sort of hang in like free threads but these ones sort of wrap over the front which is quite a nice touch I think would be quite good for the airflow. They've also put some little front airflow flaps at the bottom um, on, the, on the outboard area um, so they sort of appear there underneath so I, I think that will be good to manage the airflow and also there's a small fin just at the bottom of the floor where the diffuser sort of interacts with the diffuser, that's going to manage the airflow around the diffuser a lot better, um, despite the fact that they would have lost a lot of airflow management owing to the trimming of the floor at the rear end from last season. So Williams look like they've done things to manage the airflow on their car to mitigate the loss of downforce and airflow that they're going to suffer from as a result of the new regulation. So that's a nice touch. The engine cover at the sides are a bit wider than what we've seen at the Mercedes oh, okay. and the Aston Martin. So it's still a, a trimmed down package. Obviously, naturally, the teams go for that. But whereas we've seen the Mercedes and the Aston Martin, Mercedes-powered cars with that little bulge on the inlet um, on the left-hand side of the engine covers, Williams' his body works a little bit wider. So you don't see a bulge on that car. But it's the same sort of prospect or same sort of design concept with what Mercedes and Aston Martin have done. They've just gone for a bit of a wider one rather than a tight-fitted one that shows that area. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. But overall... Um, the philosophy is still there from Williams. They're sticking to what they know, and it seems that a lot of work has been done to sort of mitigate any downforce and airflow management that they've lost from the new rules. And it looks nice. It looks, you know, it looks pretty elegant. The nice little features. It's about the little differences, and I think this is something that Williams have struggled with over the last couple of years is trying to make all of those little things that they put on their car all work in tandem with each other and sort of work together to add a percent performance here add a percent of performance there and then it all adds up to being a very fast car because that's what the best teams do that's what Mercedes do it's what Red Bull do and Williams well, it looks like they've managed to get on top of it with this car it looks good
0: let's not forget though a couple of seasons ago they weren't even ready for pre-season testing um I don't know. Williams just seemed like a team that are going in the right direction. Yes, it was sad to see the uh, the Williams family leave, but they knew that they there's only so much they could do for this for the team going forward, and I think they'd want to see their projects be as successful as, as possible, so they kind of sacrificed their their shares in the company in order for that to happen. Mm. So yeah, if you have a look, I think compared to last season season ago, they're in a much better position, and they've got a more than competent driver in George Russell, I I do think could put in some successful performances for them this Mm. season.
1: Absolutely. And uh, that's something that I hope that they will see more of this season than not. Um, Williams have made a lot of steps forward in the last few years. I think people don't realise that despite being at the back of the field, Williams were completely in a different league to everybody else and not the good kind either so the last couple of years i've had to make huge step forward especially after the coronavirus pandemic last season really set them back financially and of course served as a catalyst for this change of ownership and technical management that we've seen with Doraldson capital obviously taken over from the williams family so it's good to see Williams retain their heritage and retain their values and philosophy with the new investment, with the new owners. And I really do feel that this Williams project is going in the right direction. Of course, the real test will be in 2022 when it really counts. This is a good opportunity for Williams to showcase what they can do. There's a lot of great people there. The facilities are there are as good as anywhere in Formula One. I would happily you know rank williams's facilities up there with anybody mercedes ferrari red bull bring your best williams are as good as they come and of course as we mentioned in the previous episode the changes where williams are going to take on more listed parts and uh gearbox from mercedes to increase their technical partnership with them instead of Aston Martin in this regard this is only going to serve Williams really really well going forward because they will be able to allocate more resources to the areas that they can specialize in and rely confidently on a team like Mercedes to provide them with what they need and they know it's going to be good quality because it's Mercedes you know they don't provide their suppliers their customers with crap for lack of a better way of putting it um you know, so it's all good signs for Williams. I'm really confident they're going to do well. I think they've got a good driver lineup in Russell and Latifi. And, uh, you know, as I said, this could be a very good year for Williams, probably the best year that they're going to have. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. For some time. And hopefully that continues onwards in 2022. Um, one thing we haven't talked about that obviously we learned over the winter break was the recruitment of Jensen Button, the 2009 world champion. Of course, um made his formula one debut with the Williams team back in 2000 and was making headlines back then as a potential world champion of the future lots of hype around Jensen when he first joined the team um he wasn't there very long of course went to Benetton the very next year and you know the rest is history after that but Jensen will be coming back to the team as a consultant as senior advisor now Courtney um forgive me if I'm being a bit naive of this but I'm not quite sure what exactly the role is going to detail for Jensen Button because it seems to me that perhaps there are certain facets to this Formula One team that might have been lost whilst Jensen has been going along building his career and eventually being a world champion and everything else. And perhaps there are some other elements with the drivers in particular that perhaps Jensen is being recruited for mainly but it seems more like an ambassadorial role for this new Williams team, yeah. more than anything else. I mean, what do you think of uh, Jensen Button coming back to Williams?
0: Yeah, I think Jensen Button has been brought in to bring a familiar Williams face, to sort of make the transition in with the new ownership as smoothly as possible. Because obviously, when you have a big ownership change, it can be daunting for the people that are there. And also, it might be difficult for them to, for the actual owners to come into Williams and make it work. So I think they're trying to make the place feel at home. And let's not forget Jensen Button is a great character. I certainly miss having him on the grid. i you know I always enjoy seeing him appear on the Sky Sports to get some well with people throughout the grid. A very likable guy. And I just don't see anything wrong coming from it. I think it's a you know a lot a lot of things with F1. I think maybe has for example should maybe look at this. Getting Jensen Button in is good PR. You know and Good PR helps them bring in more revenue from fans, makes them a more more of an attractive team to join, not only for drivers but for engineers, and that's these these are all the things that you need to be a successful Formula One team. So, you know, and it's also it's also good for Jensen. Maybe he wants to get a bigger role in Formula One in the future, and I, I love to see ex drivers come back and influence the, form, uh, the the future of the sport because they know what they're doing, they know what they're talking about, and Jensen certainly does. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm happy to see it happen.
1: Well, it could be a good role model for someone like George Russell in particular. I feel like that's where the connection is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Nicholas Latifi will be able to benefit from Jensen's experience as well. But there's that British connection between one world champion, the last world champion from Britain before Lewis Hamilton. um, And of course, George and you've got George Russell, a potential future world champion, and perhaps the future of British Formula One racing. Lando Norris, of course, included in that as well. And it seems like a natural fit. You know, a mentor kind of role that Jensen will play at Williams and, you know, whatever stuff Jensen will be involved in. I'm not sure. As I said, it, it was a strange acquisition, but it felt a lot more ambassadorial for this new team, a familiar face, like you said, to sort of win people over and fans over. Um, not that I feel Dorothea Capital really had to win anybody over. I feel like, in terms of integration into Formula One, it was almost as if the Williams family had never left. It was just new people running it. They've got good people like Simon Roberts, that's the team principal now, you know, has a history at McLaren, you know, yeah. he knows, yeah, he knows his way around for, a Formula One team. He knows what, you know, so I, I can see this being a good thing, but I don't really feel it's going to have as much as an impact as people were perhaps saying it is because it's Jensen Button. I suppose it's the equivalent of um, when Michael Schumacher was coming back to Ferrari as an ambassador before his accident and, it really didn't really matter. It was something that Ferrari could sort of showcase and everyone's like, oh my God, Schumacher's back at Ferrari. But yeah, it never led to anything. I mean, it, it almost led to him being uh, to replace Felipe Massa when he had his injury back in 2009. But of course, because he suffered that vertebrae fracture in his neck, he wasn't able to continue driving until 2010 when he eventually went to Mercedes. So yeah, it, it, it's a strange one, but I understand the logic and Perhaps this will be a good thing for Williams. So we'll have to wait and see how yeah, involved Jensen but, is.
0: But you you say that, Adam, but we're we're talking about it, you know? And I'm not sure a lot of people are, and that's the whole point. You know, Williams were languishing at the very bottom. They need people to be talking about them. They need to be noticed to help them get themselves further up the grid. George, George Russell was obviously been the spearhead of any sort of recovery they've had. But having someone like Jensen Button, I think can only be a good thing for the team.
1: Oh no, I agree. But I'm kind of thinking of the logic, well, unless you can pick up a spanner and start designing great parts that are going to make the car faster, I'm not quite sure where the value is in. I mean, as I said, I'm probably looking at this from a very naive perspective as a fan and not understanding the inner workings of what Jensen could offer with his experience. But in my head, I almost feel like if you're going to do that, you'd recruit someone in senior management from a big team like... um, when they had patrick head on as an advisor after he left yeah, the williams team they retained him as an advisor like ferrari does with rory Byrne in particular or you know in that regard i feel that like there's been a hole at williams since paddy Lowe left and even then it didn't really work out when paddy Lowe was at williams you know the stuff that he designed on the car just really didn't work in the same way that it did so well for him at mercedes so we'll have to wait and see how it works Overall, I'm quite excited by what Williams are going to bring this season. I definitely feel this is right. not a stopgap season for them. They're definitely going to have a go at this. Having said that, I mean, they probably have done already given the state, you know, everybody has. But I'm wondering how much of a go they're going to give 2021 before they decide, look, guys, I think we have to prioritise 2022 now because it's one thing like Husk felt to be at the back in 2021 knowing that it's what you know, everything's going to change. It's another thing when everyone's on a level playing field and you've got this unique opportunity. That the crazy thing is, is that in 2022, with all the budgets and the facilities that every single team has, no matter if you're Mercedes or if you're Huss, um, this is a unique opportunity. Where in 2022, we have no idea how the pecking order is going to be. I mean it's as likely that ferrari for example will win the championship as it is williams in this or alfa romeo there's no two, there's no one team that you could definitely say they're going to be the team to beat or they're going to be one of the teams at the front even mercedes aren't impervious to a potential drop off if they do not get these 2022 regs right so in williams's mind like everyone else there's going to be this juggle between how much we prioritise 2021 in the early stages and then decide to cut the cord and focus primarily on 2022, because a lot of teams are going to go through that. And for the teams at the back end of the grid in this C-class, their hand might be forced a lot sooner than teams that might be challenging for a championship, such as Mercedes or even Red Bull in this case.
0: Yeah, well, We've spoken about, well, I have in particular, with, uh, people must have like a drinking game every time I'm 2022. It's come up so often. But yeah, for those of you who don't really know too much about Formula One, these regulations are a big deal. And, you know, we've said this so many times with these uh, review episodes. If mistakes are made this year, it could have massive effects for these teams with these regulations. They can't afford to get it wrong. So trust me, when you hear us talk about 2022, we are doing it with good reason.
1: Well, before we wrap it up, I'll give you a quick example of how this has worked in Formula One. The last huge regulation changes of of this type that I can remember in 2009, When, you know, they changed the design of the car, they went down to the V8 engines instead of the V10s and V12s. Um, You know, the curse system was introduced. The design of the car was completely radicalised. And the aim, of course, was to reduce the downforce by about 50% and make the racing a lot closer. They did achieve that to some degree in some parts. Of course, over time, it sort of went away. But the teams at the front in 2008 were Ferrari, McLaren, BMW, Sauber, Those three teams in particular, those were the teams fighting at the front. And I remember back that season in 2008 when Lewis Hamilton won the World Championship. Ferrari and McLaren threw everything they could possibly do at the current cars all the way to the end of the season for Massa and Hamilton's sake. BMW Sauber prioritised 2008. And a lot of other teams did the same thing quite early on. They prioritised 2009 around about halfway through the season. BMW Sauber's case... They possibly threw away a potential chance at a World Championship for Robert Kubica in 2008. In 2009, they still got it wrong. But at the start of the 2009 season, because the likes of Ferrari and McLaren were so late in the development of the new cars and the new regulations, they ended up at the front of the midfield. They were behind the Williamses, the Brawns, the Toyotas in particular. And, you know, they really, really struggled. It only took them till the end of the season to really get on par with those top teams, by which time the season was over. You know, so it's so important that the teams find the right balance between 2021 and 2022. And that's what I'm really fascinated because if someone really goes for it and has a chance, I mean, if we have a championship battle between Red Bull and Mercedes, a really serious one, there could be the risk that one, if both of those teams may end up uh, hurting their chances in 2022 onwards because they were too busy on 2021. I mean, if Red Bull have Stappen with an opportunity to win the World Championship, you can bet your house... That Red Bull are going to focus primarily on winning that title for Max Verstappen in 2021 because they may not get the opportunity in the years to come. So that is why it's so important, guys. You cannot understate how significant that cutoff point is going to be. And we have no idea when it is. Huss may have already said it for everybody else by doing what they're doing, and other teams may follow suit.
0: Yeah, I do know what couldn't call it any better. I, I, I'm already kind of already looking at 2022. Obviously, we've got to see the ahead of us. I'm excited for it. I expect a really intense midfield battle. That's going to be the main highlight of this season, and potentially those those Hampton versus Verstappen, Of course, let's not forget that. Mm. But I think the main cause for excitement is twenty twenty two. Let's let's make let's make that perfectly clear. It's going to be a massive year for the sport.
1: Absolutely. But uh, I think we can agree on Williams. It, it looks a good car. I like delivery. I think they're going to do well this year. I'm predicting them to be eighth in the championship ahead of Alfa Romeo and Haas, and perhaps maybe nipping at the heels of. Uh, Tauri or possibly Alpine as well with a few points finishes this season hopefully some more for George Russell and maybe Nicholas Latifi as well um, uh, probably fair to agree on that one Courtney or would you feel differently yeah
0: pretty pretty similar I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and I'm, I reckon they might be closer to Alpha Tauri than we may have originally thought but let's see let's see on that
1: one we'll see it depends on how good that Honda engine is of course you know fast tacking the 2022 engine we may see how good that is but uh I, I digress as always um but let us know what you think guys do you like the new Williams livery are you a fan of it I see a lot of people splitting the car in half and saying first half yes second half not so much but let us know what you think also I should notice actually I didn't see any rich energy logos on the car so i mean needless to say i am amazingly surprised if ferrari ended up being the team that had but i personally unless a deal is struck late i do feel the rich energy owner has basically duped us all out of our own fears and prejudices to rich energy whether or not they're justified um by basically getting us to talk about them with this mystery over which team it was going to be. And it possibly is none of them, but the free exposure and advertisement from everybody, including us talking about them is never necessarily a bad thing from any company's perspective. So, you know, what's we'll, we'll make, see I mean, I, I hope it's not Ferrari, but it'd be a funny episode if Ferrari, the other shade of red on the Ferraris because it's rich energy. Lord, Lord only knows. Anyway, um, let us know what you think of the new Williams of the livery. Do you like it? Or not so much. Um, How do you think Williams are going to do this year? Do you feel that they're going to challenge the midfield this year? Or do you feel like that class C is the best that they're going to hope for? And of course, let us know how you feel 2022. We'll go for the Williams team as well. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors. As always, for the month of March, we are sponsored by Manscaped. Great products that they've let us trial. Fantastic grooming products. Definitely recommend you go get yours. And you can use our code DNF1 to get 20% off plus free shipping on manscaped.com so definitely get yourself one of those now but until then guys as always thanks for tuning in stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care
0: see you soon